what I want to emphasize is just do all that you can in the preparation phase mm -hmm. to prepare for the presentation or the actual mm -hmm. delivery of the message. Yeah. But then when you're up there, just rely on the Holy Spirit because mm -hmm. I, I, if you've had this, I, I come off the stage so many times like, this was horrible. Yeah. Like, how could you use, the Lord possibly use this, you know? And He does. Yeah. Like, there's so much grace. Hey guys, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and this is episode 104. And this episode is an interview from six weeks ago. I got to sit down with Pastor Attila Nyari, who pastors a church just outside of Budapest in Hungary. So six weeks ago, we did a one-day training event um, in uh, Budapest City Center for uh, church planters and Bible teachers and youth workers. And we had just a fantastic uh, day together. Uh, Attila was one of our panelists and one of our leaders. And I really enjoyed this conversation about um, humility and the way that God brings humility into his representatives and uh, teachers and preachers and pastors. Uh, it's a great conversation. I hope the Spirit of God uses this in your life as a means of bringing humility into your heart and your soul. And speaking of the Spirit of God, uh, I just want to say that May 9th, Saturday, May 9th, we are hosting a webinar, our first ever webinar. We're going to be hosting it on Zoom. I know that uh, I know that you've heard of Zoom by now. Our our lives have all shifted to Zoom and other other apps like that. But May 9th was going to be the day that we were in Seattle for our Seattle training event, but that's uh, postponed. And so we want to host a two-hour online webinar talking about um, the spirits leading in our sermon preparation and delivery. Um, the world has changed, but there is an ever-present need for God's truth applied from God's word to people's hearts. And, and we need the spirit to guide us and lead us in these strange times. And so you can find details on expositorscollective.com or any of our social media. But the way that you register is you email expositors at calvarychapel.com, expositors at calvarychapel.com. And then Nick is going to put you on the list. There are 100 spaces that are available and people are already snatching some up already. So if you want to come along, it's going to be, uh, let's say, West Coast time from 9 a.m. till 11 a.m. So West Coast, U.S., Pacific Standard Time, 9 a.m. till 11 a.m. And then whatever time zone you are, you're gonna have to, to do the math. Um, it's gonna be the, the evening here in Ireland, but I'm gonna be on the panel. Um, so is Nick and Pete, of course. Uh, we're gonna be joined by uh, David Guzik and Brian Broderson. So David Guzik and Brian Broderson will be doing some kind of 20-minute uh, teachings followed by 40 minutes of interactive panel discussions. So uh, please prioritize it. Wake up early on Saturday for you California people or uh, stay up into the afternoon for you Europeans. And uh, I hope that you can join us uh, May 9th for the first ever Expositors Collective webinar.
Welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm with Attila Nyari. Close enough? That's very much correct. How do you say it? <laughs> I say it Nyari. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so Attila, where are we right now? So we're in Calvary Chapel, Budapest, because we're having an Expositors Collective learning experience. How did you say it? It's not a conference. Not a conference. It's an interactive learning experience. That's oh, what yes. we're having. Or a training weekend. Yeah, it's a training weekend. Or a seminar. Basically, we use every every word except conference. So they're like, that. that's the only band word, right? <laughs> it is, yeah. The blacklist. We have a few other words that we try not to say. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but that's one of them. Uh, yeah, conference is one of them. So uh, you, we, we're on lunch break, actually. And thank you for giving up your lunch break for this podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm fasting for the Lord. For the Lord, for yeah. For the Expositors Collective <laughs> Podcast, right? You just were on a panel. Right. So you just yeah. stepped off the panel into this room for this interview. What, right. was the, what was the panel about? So the panel was all about sermon prep. Um, how do you get ready um, yeah. to, to give a message? But actually the questions that came also uh, tackled a lot of issues like how do you choose a book to teach through sure. and like, you know, a lot of tangent questions. That yeah. was great. Yeah. And I think specifically we wanted to highlight like Hungarian language resources. Yeah. At least that was our hope. Yeah. Um, because... Uh, do you think it's fair for me to say, and I don't want to be presumptuous, but would you say Hungary is under-resourced when it comes to like Bible commentaries and preaching resources? Yeah, I think it's fair to say, and especially if you look at you know what's available in English, mm-hmm. like just a vast, just the vastness of resources that's out there, a huge amount of translations, commentaries, dictionaries, yeah, and it's very rich. And Hungarian language has. Uh, a lot of translations already, um, more in the New Testament, but also for the whole Bible. Yeah. But I think, especially on the commentary side, what I found is many commentaries tend to go into one theological direction or the other. Sure. So you don't have really an objective, you know, yes. resource. Yes. But does objectivity exist? That's a... That's also a good question <laughs> for journalists, you know? Okay, yes. Like, yeah. Can you stay neutral? Right. Well, that's another discussion. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and that's actually one of the reasons why uh, Nick, Nick Katie, one of our yeah. steering committee, um, he really wanted to insist that we, that we actually like sponsor and print our own Hungarian language um, versions of our Expositors yeah. Collective booklet, which isn't a commentary, but it's like a handbook on the step-by-step of how to prepare and yeah. deliver gospel-centered sermons. And so it was really important to Nick that we would contribute a small bit yeah. to the corpus of Hungarian literature. Well, and let me also say this. I mean, thank you. Thank mm. you for investing that, you know. Well, it's Nick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's great. I, yeah. I, I saw the booklet and it's it's great. Yeah, well, we hope it's, we hope it's useful and um, that it goes beyond this yeah. room. Um, hey, so Attila, when was the first time you taught the Bible? That's a tough one. Uh, I don't really remember the exact setting. Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, okay. So what counts as teaching? Because my background is I wasn't preparing to become a pastor okay. or a teacher. So, but I, I became passionate for the Bible itself. Mm-hmm. So my first setting teaching the Bible was really, you know, small group conversations, yeah. which is more like dialogue okay. and not like teaching from up front. I remember yeah. the first time when I taught from up front. Yeah. But but I, I did a lot, so many more like small group setting. Yeah. Were you kind of the guy that would answer people's questions in those small group settings? Or were you the one saying like, hey, come on over. I got something for you to, to learn. I want to teach you about justification. Actually, I think there was different ways I, as I got into this. So okay. I, I had like what you call seeker Bible studies yeah. uh, with, with non-Christian friends on my university campus. So 
of course, in that setting, you're not stepping up as the teacher, right? Mm. But you are trying to make the Bible text come alive, the stories of the Bible come alive, and yeah. for the people to step into those. Uh, and then also part of my personal story is that I was brought up in this very legalistic, very fundamentalist environment, right. which meant I had a lot of condemnation, a lot of, you know, sensing a lot of condemnation and not being sure whether I will go to heaven if I die, although yeah. I did all the right things I tried to keep to the list, you know. But then when I started to listen actually to this church's podcast, Calvary Chapel Podcasts, and there yeah. was an American pastor at the time here, um, and it was translated, and I started to listen to those Bible studies, the whole aspect of like Christ's finished work on the cross and, you know, the doctrine of grace really came alive in me. Wow. And from that point, I was like, I just wanted to let others discover that too. Yeah. So, so a lot of those early Bible studies, I think, were, you know, just gathering with a few friends in a room and studying Romans and just asking really good questions so that they yeah. kind of like mine it out for themselves rather than me passing that on because, yeah. you know, what you discover is so much more valuable and it sticks more than something that you just get preached about, right? Oh, wow. That's, that's great. You know, as, as a podcaster, I love hearing stories about how podcasts change people's lives. <laughs> you know, and that was the early days, actually. So uh, what, what was that very poor quality? Was it like 56 oh. megabit per sex or okay, kilobit yeah. per sex? Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. But it was like, you know, all noisy and not good quality. Really? But like the content really is what, you know, podcasting. It's all about content, right? Uh, yeah, it's all about content. Yeah, we were worried about if there was background noise in this. And yeah, I even correct. said you, listen, man, we're not a high quality podcast. <laughs> but yeah, we're better than 56 MBPSs. So. Yeah, yeah. And that was the early days. I mean, many churches didn't even have websites up. Is that right? Okay. So, and Calvary Chapel was like one of the first that they they published all of their sermons. Yeah. So that was what was available hmm. without you know, going to a church personally. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a, what a gift. So it's, yeah. it, you know, these things do cost money, but it's a good, it's a gift to I'm the... forever indebted. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So do you remember the, the first time you stood up on a, on a stage or behind a pulpit and opened God's word and gave a sermon? Yeah. So that was in a summer camp. Okay. Actually, um, with like, I, that wasn't a big camp. It was like, I think 80 people. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I was asked to, to give a sermon. And I think it was on the rich young ruler. Yeah. Okay. Wait, <laughs> I didn't pronounce that right. right? <laughs> well, wait a minute. I mean, like, he's not one of those. He's, I, I think the Bible doesn't say he's a ruler. He's just rich and yeah, young. But this is what, so is that right? Reference him, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that right? Is he not a ruler? Uh, that's how we call him. Yeah, but I think it's one of those, anyway, it's an urban legend, I think. Yeah. He's, he's either not rich or he's not young or he's not a ruler. I don't have a Bible in front of me, but... Well. But he's probably handsome. Sure, of that's course. What, that's what the text... And the, <laughs> yeah. I'm reading something into that. So you, you taught that and it went well? Yeah, no? it went well and yeah. I got a lot of positive feedback. And looking back, you know, I was such a young man. I, I got so much trust mm -hmm. just even being asked to share. Yeah. Um, but it was a great experience. I remember spending a ton of time preparing, you know, and you know, threading to the last minute. So, that, so it, it did feel like I'm um, performing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then I came down and I was really anxious for feedback, which, yeah. you know, you have to get over at right. some point later. Right. Yeah. But that was how I started. Okay. So how many years ago was that approximately? Well, I think that must have been something like 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you're kind of young. Do you mind? How old are you? So I'm 33. 33. Okay. Yeah. I'm bad at math, but that's, so you were 20, eight, 
<laughs> Were you a teenager? I didn't even know. Now okay, you're forcing sure. me to do yes, math. Yes, yes. I, 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 I always delegate the math <laughs> to somebody else. So, yeah, how amazing at 33 to have 15 years experience. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you got to start so young. Yeah, but in the early days, I remember that was like once a year. So it okay. wasn't, you know. And then I really started to like teach every week when we started this Bible study outside of Budapest. Yeah. And that was 2014. Is that right? Okay. 2014. So I've been teaching on a regular basis since then. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And how have you grown since then? What are the the things that you've learned that have helped you as a Bible teacher since then? Yeah, quite honestly, I don't think I'm in this position where I'm, you know, old and wise and I can give you the five points. Yeah. I can, I can tell you, tell you this, that for me, sermon preparation and teaching the Bible has been a journey. I realized that even looking back on my older messages and how I picked topics and mm-hmm. how I picked applications, I think there are times when when you 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 hear someone and it has a positive influence on your teaching yeah. style yeah. without you know trying to imitate, but you still get like inspired. Uh, I think one one key aspect where I am right now is to really trust the, the text more than than I, I trust my ability to to convey that. Does that does that Hmm. Does it make sense? I, I think so. Help help the hearers understand. <laughs> how. So you, were you not trusting the text in the beginning? So I think there is a difference between, you know, you come in with like, I'm, I'm scheduled to speak, I'm scheduled to teach, so yeah. I'll do my best, I'll prepare, and then basically giving the sermon becomes a performance. Mm. You hope you're doing well, and you think that your smart illustrations and, you know, your, your smart, smart way of, you know, guiding the thought and yes. you know, outlining the sermon will help the message stick. And then you, what I, what I mean when I say trusting the text is basically what we've been covering here all day long. Yeah. Like really trusting that God's word itself mm. has that internal power to really transform human souls and human thinking and human heart. Because I think we can, we can do good entertainment, you know, good education, yeah. good whatever, but like, real transformation comes only through the word. And then the second thing that I would highlight is just dependence on, on the spirit. And I know these, these kind of sound like, you know, the basics, mm-hmm. but it's still when you realize that and when you first embrace that yourself, that makes all the difference. And for me, that dependence on the spirit um, has grown in how I prepare. Like how, how do I even start preparing for a sermon, you know? how I allow him to speak to me, but also when I'm up on the stage. Now I don't think uh, people are coming on a Sunday because I'm a good speaker. Okay. Okay. You know? oh, so no, there's, days. Yeah. So there's, so there's someone else up there with you, you'd say. Exactly. Okay. And, and who is like active with the speaker, but yeah. also with the hearer. Yeah. Yeah. And that gives me so much confidence. So even if, even if the sermon doesn't go the way I planned, I can trust that the spirit still makes his transformative work yeah. in the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because we spend, as preachers, we spend a lot of time crafting our message, thinking through what we are going to say. Yeah. And may we never forget that it's not about us getting our ideas out, you exactly. know, or, or us communicating. Well, this is God's word and it's like seed and it's going to land on soil. Yeah. And so it's important to pray that God would prepare the soil to receive it. And, you know, as my, 
with yeah, as many different people come and hear us on a Sunday yeah. or a Wednesday or whatever, um, that's all. They're all real people with real lives and real situations that that God has like a message for. Yeah, and we we want to communicate faithfully so yeah. that message can be heard and even we could say activated by the Spirit as it applies to their hearts and their lives. So it's yeah, it's definitely more than like a like a speech, you know. Exactly, and I think you've had those experiences too when someone comes up and says, hey, how did you know? Hmm. Like you just spoke directly to my yeah. issue that I'm, yeah. I'm walking through. Yeah. And you had no way of knowing. Right. Yep. And it's more than just playing the odds, you yeah. know, exactly. like statistically speaking, someone here must be going <laughs> through a crisis. So I'll just make some vague reference to a crisis. Exactly. But but the spirit of God. Yeah. yeah. You know, Jesus says that he knows his sheep, his sheep hear his mm -hmm. voice. But I think there's that knowledge um, from the Lord of his people. And uh, yeah, we get the privilege of... Uh, being the postman, delivering his mail to them. Yeah, that's a that's a good illustration. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. <clears throat> um, <laughs> uh, I didn't make it up. I just remembered it from somebody. So you've grown in that capacity. Uh, what would you say to somebody in your situation that's starting teaching the Bible from a pretty young age and is, you know, somebody that would have 15 years of experience by the time they're 33? I still haven't done the math. I should... <laughs> So what do you wish that you knew then that you've learned now? I realize you just said, you know, the confidence in the word itself, yeah. openness to the spirit. Are there any other things that you wish that you knew when you were uh, in your 20s? Yeah, you know, this will, again, sound like cliche, but yeah. my wife is, I always tell people that she's my first elder. Like, you yeah. know, she, she's my biggest counselor, um, even, even in sermon preparations. Um, and she always keeps reminding me to stay humble um, because that's when people will be drawn to, to the word. Yeah. So I think what, what I would say to anyone who's starting out, don't try to um, build a platform for yourself or like build a reputation for yourself as a preacher. And I yeah. think that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a danger that I, I'm not saying I'm done with fighting. I don't want to sound like, you know, the guy who's over that struggle. But I think there is such a, a richness when you're really trying to bring people to the word and you kind of like you're happy to stay out of the picture yeah now people will come and people will idolize pastors and mm. teachers and they will say all nice things and it's very easy to you know get puffed up right um but it's very important to to stay humble to know that that even even your teaching ability even the way you speak and if it's interesting and if it's engaging to people and yes and people come to hear you it's not you you were you were made that way from you know your conception yeah like you've been designed to do this and right. it's not of your own ability to speak well yeah so i think humility is a big one but i also see um that i'm saying this to someone who's young and all the young people i think listening to this i i, I imagine myself listening to this you know 15 years ago <laughs> which i don't know how old i was but like you were 18. <laughs> I, I did the math you while you were doing that. I wrote it out. All yes. right. All right. So that's how you do interviews. When the, the person is answering, you can do that. So, so actually, I, I know I would have said, yeah, humility. Right, right. right. Okay. Yeah. Give, give me the other stuff. So I think there is, um, I'm not old, but every year I think brings some, some maturity, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. they say aging is automatic. Growing mature is optional oh wow have you heard that one no that's not mine okay what mine <laughs> but i think i think you know you have to realize the value of humility but that comes with the ages yeah yeah absolutely yeah again i i, I probably thought i was humble when i was 18 
<laughs> and, Me too. And I was yeah, I was proud to be humble. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you know, I tell her like I've failed so much between now and then. Yeah. And I don't want to like revel in that, but at the same time, it it uh, to some degree it um, takes the wind out of your sails a little bit. Or mm -hmm. or to use a phrase that I love from Jared Wilson, he says um, some preachers they need the swagger gospeled out of them. Which is not proper grammar, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. but that like the the gospel just you know takes the you know our self confidence away to some degree. Yeah. Um. And, and you know also too like preaching to a room, and there's people there that I wish I'd been a better pastor to. Yeah. And uh, you know I wish I'd been a better husband to my wife. Yeah. I shouldn't say that past tense. I I, I you know oh, uh, we're still. we're still married. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's those things too. I look across the room and it's like. Yeah, you know, like I'm in a room full of people that are just like so in need of grace. And I myself, I'm just so thankful to have found grace and I, I need more. And so it, it keeps keeps arrogance from yeah. from me. You know, I hope I want yeah. to keep it from me. Just knowing that, yeah, I'm I'm 37. I've just got, yeah, a lot of a lot of noble aspirations that I haven't even reached yet. Yeah. And um, but, you know, the Lord is so gracious to me and I want to pass on that grace or communicate that grace to others. People yeah. are, people are weary, you know, mm -hmm. and to just give the good refreshing news of his grace and his kindness. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I started, I had very little grace or kindness to mm. people. Um, like in your preaching? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, in, in my living too, but <laughs> preaching, yeah. you know, I, I, um, you know, I, I really wanted to see revival. I really wanted to see it, you know, and I, and I knew that if only people would like pray more yeah. and try yeah. harder and evangelize, then, then we'd have revival. Yeah. And so I had this kind of, um, to some degree, this like uh, allegedly sanctified chip on my shoulder that like, come on guys, why aren't you doing good enough? Why aren't you, you know, um, yeah, I was, I was a young missionary. Um, and it's like, why aren't you, how come I have to do all the work? Come on, you do it. Yeah. So this yeah. real lack of, yeah. Yeah, you know, one illustration that sticked with me for life was actually given by Greg Opine, who okay. used to be the first pastor of this church. Now he's pastoring in Redlands, California. Mm -hmm. uh, and he he talked about how what's the difference between a pastor and a wolf, you know, mm -hmm. like, and he said the wolf is using the people to build up his ministry. Wow. And like a pastor is... Is, is, is building up the people, using the ministry to build up the people. Mm. And I think mm. that's, that's a, yeah, I, I love you saying that and, and highlighting that if you can just stay in a mentality where you come to lift people up, not, not in like, you know, building their ego or, you know, motivational talk or right. being an ins yeah. inspirational speaker. Not, that's not what I'm saying. But like really just helping them see how God thinks about them, how valuable they are yeah. in God's eyes. It will make all the difference. Probably, you know, the, the challenge, I think that's a way slower process <laughs> than just, you know, manipulating people into praying more. That's right. Yeah. With some emotional talk. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, one of my earlier sermons was, you know, Jonah, Jonah chapter mm -hmm. one. And there was the storm, you know, and Jonah was in the bottom of the ship and he yeah. was sleeping. And then the sailors up top were throwing things overboard and it says they were crying out to their gods. Yeah. But Jonah was downstairs sleeping. I remember... I remember studying and being like, oh, that's good. Realizing, <laughs> wait a minute, there's a prayer meeting, but Jonah's not going to it. <laughs> and and then using that as an opportunity to really lay He tried in. to be more like Jesus <laughs> in the Gospels. Well, oh, I, remember, I remember using that as a platform to lay into people to say, look at Jonah. He's not at the prayer meeting. He probably had a good excuse. He was living in sin. That's why he didn't oh. want to go to the prayer meeting. Why aren't you going to the prayer meeting? Oh, you must have something to hide. Yeah. Oh. 
which is totally not what the passage is about at all. And but again, with that, you know, that attitude, I don't want to say I was a wolf. I was a, a, no. a, you know, just a very immature, you know, I was, I was ordained really young, probably mm-hmm. too young and, um, whatever. I don't want to turn this into a counseling session, but you I know, mean, we could, I think this is the room where some counseling sessions take. Is place. that right? I, well, those are kind of like couches. We could lay <laughs> on the couch and, and have a session, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm just thankful that God's been, you know, he's been gracious to me and you and all of the, the people that pre started preaching young and made a bunch of mistakes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think David Guzik said that. Uh, your first 200 sermons are terrible. So just get them all out of the way as soon as you can. So that <laughs> you, delete can, them from the internet, <laughs> you can start preaching good. But uh, first yeah, 200. he said 200. It's a big number. It is. Yeah. And I think, too, some of them are terrible because of uh, a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I stuttered a lot or I stammered. I'd say, uh, way yeah. too much. Or I'd have all these fidgets, you know, so I think they were bad because of that. But also, I don't think I was really truly humbled by God's grace yet. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous mm-hmm. to have a platform and to, to be unhumbled. Yeah. Well, man, this has taken a, a, <laughs> a random turn, this conversation, hasn't it? Right. Uh, we got a, a few minutes left. Any, any final things you want to say <laughs> about humility or about anything else that preachers should know? Yeah, I think maybe just one, one area that I'm passionate about. And I, I see that lots of... Lots of guys put a lot of energy into um, studying the text itself, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. I mean, that's our job, right? Uh, and, and not saying this in any way. that. So I, I also spend a lot of time in the, in the Word. But it, it's funny. Like, what's, what's your take on this? Let, let me take the, the, the interviewer mic. What? <laughs> like, have, do you also see this that, like, uh, the presentation is, as much important, is of as much importance as as the substance of the sermon. Mm. So uh, I'm, rem- I'm remembering that verse in, in Proverbs is that where it says, you know, uh, a golden egg on a silver plate, a golden apple, apple on a silver yes. plate. Yeah. You know, uh, I remember the verse in Hungarian. Okay, sure. Yes. How, how does it go? Golden in, egg. How does it go in Hungarian? It's like, can you um, quote it in Hungarian? Mint arany alma az ezüstányéron. So that's how you would say it. Awesome. Anyway, so so like I think the substance of the sermon, the message, yeah. you have to work really hard on it. But then I find in my preparation that equal amount of time needs to go into actually presenting that message, mm. you know, and making mm. the link with the audience and, you know, making sure you speak into the culture that you are, you're addressing. Yeah. Okay. So when you say um, the presentation, so are you talking about like homiletical techniques yeah. or missiological connections or both? No, homiletics. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. How do you present? Like, how do you build it? How do you introduce? How, how you right. bring illustrations? Yeah. How you apply? Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I, you know, we're, James Travis is going to be doing a session on this yeah. later today. But I think, yeah, it is, it is quite important. I said this on an, another episode of the podcast a okay. long time ago. So I'll say it again. <laughs> but, um, like, I, I love coffee. I'm a coffee guy. And, man, there Praise is, God. There is some like great him. coffee in Hungary. Yeah. So good. Have you, go, have you been to Contact? Yeah. That's one of the best places. It's I think a, it's also if you go on TripAdvisor and, you know, what should you go to? Yes. It's like a, on the top and right. Well, I loved it. I was actually told I shouldn't go there because they're too snobby. And I was like, oh, snobby. That sign me great. Yeah, they don't give you sugar. They have no sugar. And but, but do you know that actually this church opened up a specialty coffee shop, like in the foyer? Oh, is like that if, it? If you go to the front door, yeah. 
Well, what am I doing this interview for? Let's go get coffee I instead. I know. You were talking about old lunch and all those things. Right? Um, what was I saying? I love coffee. Yes. Yeah. And um, I have I have friends that are roasters or acquaintances that are roasters, and I, I'm really into the process. And like coffee is made three times. Um, it's made by the by the grower. Yeah. That you know, there's a specialty lot, let's say in Rwanda or whatever, and there's there's the people, and they they care for those plants. And and then they you know they harvest it they pick it yeah. and then they would um, they dry it and they send it let's say to Hungary they send it to mm-hmm. Hungary and that's the, so it's made in the ground and mm-hmm. then it's shipped to Hungary and then it's made a second time it's roasted you know mm-hmm. they they take it they deshell it they put it in the roaster yeah. they do a light roast because obviously dark roast is monstrous and who would do yeah. such a terrible thing um, and they, that's so that's made the second time and so it's like grown to perfection it's roasted to perfection and then it gets made the third time the barista gets a hold of it and grinds oh, it yeah. and tamps it and then you know pulls a shot and the barista can ruin it at the very last it could be like top quality huh. award-winning beans grown to perfection roasted to perfection and then at the very last second yeah if it's over extracted it's a terrible cup of coffee and then someone could drink it and be like ah, this is bitter but it's not bitter it's 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 a great bean it just at the very last second, it was presented the wrong way. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I think that the same thing can happen too, where we can have great content in our messages. We study all the right things. We have a good outline. Yeah. And then we get up there and just scowl our way through it or mumble <laughs> our way through it, or we don't even communicate it well at all. Yeah. It's, it's a bad message, even yeah. though it's, it's truth. It's good content. It's from yeah. the Bible, a true book. It's arranged well with your hermeneutics and homiletical, te- not uh, hermeneutical things, but then it's just presented badly. Yeah. Or you're, you're using, you know, lame illustrations or distracting illustrations yeah. that it just ruins what could be perfect. It would be good. Yeah. And I think what I'm saying, and I, I really, I'm glad that I took the interview with Mike. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was a great point about coffee and a great picture. But I do think like you, what I want to emphasize is just do all that you can in the preparation phase mm-hmm. to prepare for the presentation or the actual mm-hmm. delivery of the message. Yeah. But then when you're up there, just rely on the Holy Spirit because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've had this, I, I come off the stage so many times like, this was horrible. Yeah. Like, how could you, the Lord possibly use this, you know? And he does. Yeah. Like, there's so much grace. You know? I know. And God spoke through a donkey at some point. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, there's grace for me. He's done it again. Yeah. Yeah, I sometimes can get down off the stage. Well, we don't have an actual stage, but you know, right. we have, we have, it's a flat, whatever. But get down and we have a second set of worship and we have oh. communion at the end of every service. Yeah. And sometimes I'm just like, and this is so wrong, but I'm like, that sermon was so bad. I don't deserve to take communion. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> like, I, I've done such a poor job. I don't deserve communion. And is it Sunday morning? Yeah. So, and if nobody comes up after that, even one person saying that was a good message, then you don't even deserve lunch. Right? <laughs> yeah. Not just, not just communion. Yeah. So, again, and again, so I, I need the good news of, of the gospel right. over and over again. Yeah. That, you know, I never deserve communion, you know? Like, we don't deserve anything. How could All you, of it right? is God's grace and God's gift. Exactly. All right. Cool. Thank you so much, Attila. Thank you. Appreciate your time. And uh, how can how can people find your sermons? Um, are they are they exclusively Hungarian or um, how can we listen in? So actually, all of my sermons are in Hungarian. Okay. Well, good. Moment. Of course, they the should moment. be. Yes. <laughs> I'm experimenting with a with a podcast where some friends of mine, because I work in an international setting, yeah, we're asking like, hey, can we get a recap? So I'm I'm working on like a five minute recap podcast for my messages but that's not out yet oh so. wonderful okay well if it's this won't be released right now 
right. there's there's a, I have a queue, a backlog of other episodes. So if you get that ready, by the time this comes out, we'll put All a right. link in the show notes. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Zilla. Hey, thanks for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed um, listening in to this conversation that I got to have with Attila. Um, and once again, I'm here to remind you once more that uh, May 9th is coming and you need to register to reserve your spot at the Expositors Collective webinar, which is gonna be a fantastic time looking at what it means to be led by the Spirit as we continue to teach and preach um, in these strange times. So 100 spots are available. It's free, but you gotta reserve your spot first. Expositors at calvarychapel.com is the email. And I look forward to seeing you there. All right. God bless you. Hello, hello. It didn't seem loud. It's um it's recording. This is the Rosie Rosie podcast. And we are going to talk about what the Bible is. The Bible is something we read about God. It's made by gospels or other people like that. That's my podcast. Thank you. What did you do today, honey? I wrote a podcast. Yeah. And this is my podcast. You've heard it, so now let's make this podcast. And that wraps it up. Did you? Hey, tell them about riding a bike. If you ride a bike, you well, should. Tell them about what you did today. Say, so today I. No. Um, okay, lessons for bike. If you want to ride your bike, it's good to have a place near the grass and once you've done that it would be a good idea to go on the, uh, go on the pavement pavement and then you've learned but still you'll have to have someone with you it's not good to have by yourself that's my podcast that is kids podcast now that wraps it up Bye. You have to say a nice little phrase at the end. You say, like, I hope this podcast helps you to grow in your... Essential voices. Okay, so say it. Say it. I hope this podcast... I hope this podcast helps you to grow in your social voices. (laughs) Bye. Bye.